This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm good, Bryce. Great to be with you again. Yes, it is great to be with you too. I I should say excited for this episode. You should. (laughs) Yes, Ren, uh, excited for this episode. We are back doing an industry deep dive. We haven't done one in a while, but uh, there's a lot of industries to cover. So we thought we'd crack into one. And this deep dive, we're going to be looking at the solar industry, which we know pretty important given what's going on at the moment with climate change. And But uh, we have the perfect partner to support this episode as well. This episode is proudly supported by InStyle Solar, one of the largest solar companies in Australia and a Clean Energy Council approved retailer. Not only is solar a clean energy solution, but there are plenty of financial benefits as well, some of which we'll touch on later in this episode. So why not own your power, don't rent it, InStyle Solar are offering the Equitymates community 10% off a new solar system. So book a personalized solar consultation with InStyle Solar's experts to start. Head to instylesolar.com slash mates. That's instylesolar.com slash mates. We'll put this link in the show notes. But Ren, plenty to chat about when it comes to solar. There's a lot going on in the news at the moment. We've spoken a little bit about uh, the renewable energy transition and why it's so important. I think our most downloaded episode this year, just with the two of us at least, was titled, Can Australia Become the Saudi Arabia of Renewables? Yeah. And uh, we've done two episodes on hydrogen this year because we're so excited about it. And there's plenty of reason to be excited. The best investing opportunities come in this like big societal disruptions. Mm-hmm. And the one that is sticks in our mind is the internet. And we've seen just how big the change was, you know, there were so many companies that were destroyed in some ways, but so many that have emerged. 
And we're undergoing another massive societal disruption driven by new technology, driven by climate change, obviously, enabled by a lot of government policy. And as investors, there's a real opportunity there. And we've spoken about hydrogen a lot. There's a lot of excitement. Obviously, lithium is just so hot in Australia because of batteries. Mm -hmm. But both hydrogen and batteries are storage. We haven't really talked about generation. No. How we actually create electricity. But the old school world of coal, oil and gas isn't how we're going to create hydrogen, isn't how we're going to create electricity to store in batteries. So... Let's take a step back in the supply chain or the, you know, the production chain and let's talk about how we're actually going to generate the thing. That's it. And uh, look, we have a it's, a, it's a huge transition going on at the moment with this generation of electricity and it's, it's a massive opportunity, which we're going to touch on now. It's, you know, solar, huge opportunity and uh, we should probably start with a bit of a history lesson, Ren, because the dynamic is changing. The way in which we traditionally generated elect- electricity is quickly changing. Well, quickly and not so quickly. So let's <laughs> let's put some numbers let's put some numbers to it because I think that frames where we were, where we are and also how much of this change is still to come. These numbers that I'm about to talk about include oil. You'll see a lot of numbers talking about renewable generation for, for electricity generation and they'll exclude oil because oil is not generally used to create electricity it's used to power cars and yeah, stuff like yeah. that but i think when we're talking about our energy transition uh we're gonna have to start talking about oil as well because where we want to get to is everything being electrified cars being electrified and stuff like that so in terms of an apples to apples transition you have to include oil as well because solar wind hydro nuclear whatever it is is eventually going to have to replace oil, oil as well yeah so let's put some numbers to it. Let's start with the world. Globally, in 1980, 0% of the world's electricity was generated from solar and wind and 80% from coal, oil and gas. 1990, 0.01%. So we're on the board. <laughs> we're on the board. Um, coal, oil and gas, still 78%. 2000, solar and wind, 0.07%. Coal, oil and gas, 78%. So that's that held steady. Uh, and the remainder is a mix of nuclear, hydro, yeah, yeah. biomass, like a bunch of other stuff. 2010, solar and wind, 0.65% of the world's energy. Coal, oil and gas ticked up, 81%. Interesting. Yeah, not going anywhere. No. 2019, where this data goes to... Solar and wind, 3.07%. Big jump. Big jump. Coal, oil and gas, 79%. Pretty flat. Very flat. All of this data that I'm going to talk in this section, you can see um, the website's ourworldindata.org slash energy dash mix if you want to go directly there. Cracking website. A lot of lot of really interesting data on, on this stuff. So that's at a so, global scale. Yeah. So at a global scale, solar and wind's on the board. Hydro and nuclear are on the board as well. Um, But coal, oil and gas is still just such a big, unmovable chunk of where the world's getting electricity from. But I think what we can see is that the last decade has really been a decade of acceleration. Mm -hmm. So in 2010 in Australia, if we start at home, solar and wind was 1%, coal, oil and gas 95%. Okay. I mean... Jeez. Not that surprising. Yeah. 2019, solar and wind, 5.22%. Coal, oil and gas, 
coal oil and gas 91%. So it's shifted. But again, like such a dramatic shift in how the world is thinking about electricity generation hasn't really translated to the numbers yet. And I think for us that's why it's such an exciting opportunity because it's early days. Mm. If you go over to the States, 2019, solar and wind, 3.8%, 3 3.9%, coal, oil and gas, 83%. So still a massive chunk. Yeah. I had a look at some other countries. India. Yeah, here we go. Solar and wind, Uh, 2.9%. Coal, oil and gas, 91%. I mean, is a proportion of uh, what was the states three point three point eight seven eight seven? So yeah. yeah, okay. China, solar and wind, just under four percent. Coal, oil, and gas, eighty five percent. But here's an interesting thing about China. I think the world's biggest emitter, but the last decade they have moved the needle. So solar and wind now just under four percent. Twenty ten zero point four five percent. Oh wow. So they've moved uh, and then coal, oil and gas in 2010 was 92%, now it's 85%. So there is a transition underway there. The UK was pretty impressive. Solar and wind, almost 9%. Coal, oil and gas, 79%. But interesting, the UK where they really, you know, the UK kicked off the industrial revolution and the coal mining uh, industry and, you know, for 200 years, it was really the UK that led us into... To coal. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, in 1980, coal was 35% of their energy mix. 2019, 3%. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so they've, they have moved the needle. They've moved the needle. Europe yeah. has moved the needle. Yeah, I feel like that's where the global leaders are in yeah. this space. If you jump into our world in data, um, you can filter by country and no surprising some of the best countries in the world, yeah. the Nordics, yeah. Iceland, particularly yeah. impressive. New Zealand, also particularly impressive. Hallmark of those countries? Do you want to have a guess? Um, they're cold. Uh, you're not a compo- <laughs> Wind. Yeah, uh, no, not. I mean, wind is a big part. Um, yeah, I'm going temperature for some reason. Not quite closely related to temperature. Uh, water? Yeah, like water. Okay. Massive share of electricity generation comes from hydro. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, you know, Malcolm maybe had his head in the right place when he was doing pump hydro and Snowy 2.0. So I think for me that data frames where we are. Think of all of the headlines about the energy transition we need to make, all the commitments that governments are making, all the action and new companies that is, is, is springing up in response to this challenge. And we have barely started moving the needle Mm. globally. Mm. Obviously, if you go country by country, needles are moving at different rates and are at different points. But that's the context in which this discussion takes place and in which where we are in the transition. So there are a couple of factors that are pushing this transition, Ren. We've obviously the first one being climate change. We know that. Yeah. It doesn't need to be spoken about too much. The second Bryce is- was a climate denier for years. <laughs> not true. <laughs> not true. Uh, and then obviously government policy is now starting to take a pretty significant part of this transition. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of commitments being made by governments around the world. Yeah for, uh, you know, hitting zero emissions. Would love uh, to see Australia make a Would commitment. love to see Australia make a commitment. <laughs> we're we're going to rip through the commitments in a second and you'll see how out of step pathetic, Australia is. Pathetic. But also the cost of renewables, particularly solar as well, has decreased dramatically over this period of time. And we know when that happens, it just becomes easier 
for other businesses to adopt and make investments and it's sort of a flow-on effect from there. Yeah, this is most pronounced in solar. It's pretty unbelievable what's happened. The cost of solar has decreased 80% in the last 20 years. I mean, yeah, that's incredibly significant. Yeah, and have you heard of Moore's law when it comes to computing? Yeah, the the number of transistors on a semiconductor doubles every two years, yep. and computing power doubles every eighteen months or something like that. Yeah, there's Slawson's law in the Slawson's. solar space. No, Swanson's. Oh, I was going to say Slawson's <laughs> in solar. <laughs> Swanson's in, law in solar. Yeah, in the solar space, yeah. the price of a solar photovoltaic module decreases by about 20% for every doubling in global solar capacity. So it's already fallen 80% in the last 20 years. If Swanson's law holds, it will mean that as more and more solar rolls out, on, yeah. it'll continue. the price will continue to come down on that curve, uh, which should then have a sort of self-reinforcing cycle that more projects can be justified, you know, there'll be enough payback so then they'll get built and then that will reduce the cost further and then that will open up a whole lot more projects as costs come down. So we should hopefully see this law play out and we should see a lot more a, a lot more projects get up purely on an economic yeah. basis rather than, you know, the climate basis. And we'll touch on that. And, and that, yeah, that's going to be a real theme. That's sort of where we've come from some of the, the forces driving it. But let's talk about the industry today. Mm. Well, we know we've just seen that there's a big transition uh, taking place, still early days, but renewables are now obviously becoming an increasingly larger part of the world's energy mix. Here in Australia in 2019, renewals, renewables was about 21%. Excluding oil. Excluding oil. But in 2021, it's up to about 24%. Yeah. And solar is the largest contributor to our generation, renewable generation here in Australia. It's about 9% of to- total generation, up from 2% in 2019. Up from 7%. Sorry, 7% <laughs> in 2019. And a pretty surprising stat, Ren, uh, when you hit me up with this in the office, is that one in four Australian homes have solar, which is the highest uptake in the world. Yeah. I find that incredible. Do you? Yeah. If you look out my place in Wagga, you look out across the roofs and I'm not seeing When's a lot of When's the last su- time you went to Wagga though? Um, not, I mean, I reckon it's been recently. like 18 months. Yeah, but I mean, we have solar, but look out across Sydney. Well, looking, you're not looking, looking at- very hard if your house has solar. <laughs> Just look at your own roof. That's what I mean. I don't think, I think we're one in 50 houses that I look nah, around. If you're solar. in Wagga and you've got solar panels, uh, Bryce at <laughs> equitymates.com, send him a photo. He obviously isn't looking very hard. A quarter of Australians have solar. I do find that, I, fa- I find that surprising. I think. Well, take it up with the Clean Energy Council because they're, they're the ones that told me. I should say that I think it's great. Well, it doesn't sound like it. (laughs) Bryce, much like News Corp, has become a late convert to the whole we need to act on climate change thing. No, no, (laughs) no. I think it's great. Um, A quarter of Australian households have solar, according to to these stats. It'd be great to see 50%. Yeah. If we continue with where we're at today, Ren, we've obviously spoken about fossil fuels still providing the major backbone to our electricity grid. Um, Coal was 54% of total generation in 2020 here in Australia. Outside oil. Outside oil. 54% if we exclude oil. Yeah. Yeah. The global commitments show that we're only moving in really one direction and that is towards renewables. 
Uh, America, Biden, he's come out to say that uh, they want 100% carbon-free electricity by 2035. Yeah. Pretty significant. UK want net zero by 2050. Same with South Korea, carbon neutral by 2050. Similar to Japan, 2050. China have gone carbon neutral by 2060. Uh, and Australia have come in soft with a 26 to 28% reduction from 2005 levels by 2030. Mm. So they haven't really stepped it up and matched what other countries around the world have said that they're going to be doing. I hope that is going to change later on this year as uh, when, what's his name, Skoma goes to Glasgow. Yep. But it doesn't seem that that's where he's uh, putting his stake in the ground at the moment. It will change. You would hope so. No, it will. He'll have to. Because like the EU are trying to figure out how to do basically like a carbon tax on export, Australian exports that go to Europe and, you know, um, basically charge us because we don't put a price on carbon. So that will hurt Australian exporters. And then, you know, the US is going to put a lot of pressure on us and um, it'll happen. Yeah. 2050 still seems like a fair way away, but. um, Yeah. Well, I think what we're going to see in Glasgow is 2030 commitments. So uh, Paris, there are a lot of 2050 commitments, but we should expect to see 2030 commitments coming out of Glasgow. So let's see if ScoMo can uh, represent Australia well. Yes. So, Ren, that is where we're at. We've obviously seen a, a transition or are seeing a tr- slow transition away from traditional forms of um, energy into our renewable mix and we're seeing some world leaders as well now start to commit to carbon neutral. But before we start talking specific investment opportunities and sort of why solar, we're just going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So Bryce, before the break, we spoke about the history and where we are in this transition that needs to happen. You know, the world has realised that we need to move away from carbon emitting forms of energy generation, yes. coal, oil and gas, yes. uh, and we need to move towards carbon-free uh, options. Now, this industry deep dive, we're focusing on solar, but I think we need to answer the question why we're focusing on solar here because it's not the only choice. And, no. you know, at the start we spoke about New Zealand and Iceland being two countries that are well ahead of the curve in terms of this transition, and solar isn't a major component for either of those two countries. Hydro and wind are really big contributors there. And so when we talk about carbon-free electricity generation, we've got sort of four big options and then... Smaller options after that, solar, wind, 
hydro, nuclear. What are the small ones? Oh, uh, like <laughs> running on treadmills, <laughs> yeah. like getting on the push bike. <laughs> uh, what are the small ones? There's geothermal. Geothermal, nice. Um, that's it. Nah, that's not it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> really, they're, they're the big choices and they're the big levers that you can pull. I guess the question is why are we focusing on solar? And there's some reasons that are universal and then that we're obviously speaking in an Australian context mm. and there's some that are quite relevant in Australia, also in the States, and that really can be summed up as we're hot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yes. let's let's talk about the universal ones because – there are reasons why solar is is really an attractive option in comparison to some of the other ones. Let's start with cost because cost is matters. Well, cost obviously matters, <laughs> but like cost is the biggest enabler of a lot of these projects getting mm. up. You know, businesses justify investment decisions based on a return, and solar is the cheapest, and and it is continuing to get cheaper. So, Lazard which is a research house or a person. Yeah, I think research house. Yeah, did a study uh, released in 2020. I think they do this every year. Global levelized cost of generation, uh, US dollars per megawatt hour. And when we talk for about- For solar? For everything. Okay. Yeah. And when we talk about levelized, that includes the cost, like the capital cost of building the thing. Which is incredibly important to consider. Yeah. Well, yeah. that that's how you get a return on a project. Yes. Yeah. So- uh, do you want to go cheapest to most expensive or most expensive to cheapest? Let's go most expensive to cheapest. Okay. Well, given that you've already looked at the notes, you'll know the answer to this, but what do you think the most expensive is? Include, And this is important, including the cost of building the thing. Well, if, even if I hadn't looked at the notes, if you were to include the cost of building the thing, um, you just can't go past nuclear. Yeah. So yeah. Nu- there's a lot of love for nuclear and the great reasons for that, but the cost of it is just so much higher. 164 US dollars per megawatt hour of for nuclear. Next most expensive, coal. Yeah. 112 US dollars. Then geothermal, 80. Then gas, 59. Then wind. Now, onshore wind, $40 a megawatt hour. Offshore wind. Have you seen like those big yeah, wind turbines yeah. in like the sea in up. Europe? Yeah. Uh, $86 Double a megawatt the cost hour. Of onshore. Yeah. Yeah. And then solar, 36. Comes in at the cheapest. Yeah. You know, in Australia, there's a whole debate around why aren't new coal power stations being built and certain politicians want the government to underwrite it. This is the reason why that is just economically irrational. Silly. A quarter of the cost of coal. $112 a megawatt hour compared to even if like gas, gas is half the cost. Mm, mm. Solar is a third of the cost, a quarter of the cost. Very political. Yeah. yeah, so that needs to frame the debate. The first response to why solar is the cost all in to generate a megawatt hour of electricity, it's the cheapest. Mm. That's why we see it takes such a share in Australia and we've seen it grow so much. So that's from a policy perspective, That that's the key thing. The other thing is that Australia's climate and conditions lend itself to a lot of solar. Mm. We've got a lot of space. We're very hot. A lot We've of got sun. a lot of sun. Yeah. Likely to get more sun. Yeah. At the start uh, of this episode, you said one in four Australians have solar panels and you were surprised by that. And I think this is another key driver. So if the, that, all that stuff we just spoke about is from like a policy perspective, there's also a number of reasons why individuals are really driving solar adoption and generation. Cost. 
Electricity like, bills. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Look, in New South Wales, um, solar reduces power bills by around $400 per kilowatt. Per year. Per year. So if you're installing an eight kilowatt system, you can save around $3,400 a year. And the Clean Energy Council uh, estimate that 2.5 million Australian households have installed solar panels on their rooftops and are taking up this advantage. And I, I can say safely say that uh, when my parents installed solar on their roof and seeing what uh, impact it has had on their electricity bills, it's phenomenal, mm. absolutely phenomenal. Putting electricity back into the grid, as I said, there in Wagga, a lot of sun, a lot of heat. It's fantastic, really. Like it's an actual investment. You're getting a bit of a return, putting some money back into the grid, not paying any electricity bills. Away you go. My parents tried to do the same and they were told their roof wasn't suitable. What? Yeah, I think it like... <laughs> what do you mean? It didn't face the right way? Yeah, I think so. Or there was like another building that like blocked the sun for a lot of That's the time heavy. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so why solar? Cost is a big driver. And then, you know, as we look to the future and we look to the role that Australia can play in a global, I guess, energy transition and, you know, we want to be a net exporter of energy... If you're excited about hydrogen, you need to be excited about these solar and, and wind generation because um, green hydrogen, green, the hydrogen yeah. that is generated from renewable sources, relies on solar, wind, hydro. Um, so that's that's something that Australia wants to take advantage of. There's a lot of investment in the space, but Australia is also competing with a lot of other countries that are investing heavily in the space. Joe Biden's made a number of commitments around hydrogen yeah it's interesting it's it's um maybe the the equity mates bump again but it seems as soon as we did the episode on hydrogen the deep dive the uh new south wales government came out with a hydrogen plan so that was interesting there you go matt kane shout out to you if you're listening <laughs> well you're now the treasurer but you were the environment minister uh outdoors always open so look we've uh answered why solar you know from a policy and national perspective from an individual's perspective and also from you know the need to transition more towards hydrogen we need to get excited about solar and these other forms of um, uh, electricity generation to get that clean green hydrogen that we speak of but Ren there are a couple of big projects in the works when it comes to solar there's a really large scale battery storage project that's linked to solar underway in Australia was this related to the Tesla batteries in Adelaide? No, nah, the Tesla batteries in Adelaide are often firing. They're apparently, so when I was at Coles, they obviously looked at them when they were looking at like, you know, electricity, yeah, cost of yeah. electricity, all that stuff. They fire incredibly well. They just don't have a lot of capacity. Yeah. Okay. So like grid goes down, they can f keep the grid stable for 15 minutes, but really what they do is they provide price stability. So yeah, they, okay. they just fire so quickly. Uh, if prices spike and they turn off so quickly, if prices drop, think about that compared to a coal plant. Can't flick Can't a switch and turn a, yeah, turn yeah. a coal plant on and off. So that's why coal plants just have to cop the really like Huge depressed surge. prices or even negative prices at times and that's why they're losing a lot of money, whereas Elon's batteries are just on, off, on, off, on, off. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So we're seeing a lot of state governments in Australia working towards meeting that zero carbon emission target and there are a couple of initiatives such as the 15,000 megawatt sun cable project in the NT. This is connecting Australia with Asia through a big electricity generating cable. Wow. 
no, not electricity generating. <laughs> yeah, oh so wow, electricity sucking. transporting cable backed by uh, Mike Cannon-Brooks from Alassian and Twiggy Forest. So we're using our uh, natural resources sort of from a renewable point of view to send electricity to Asia? Yeah, massive. I think it's like a $30 billion solar farm in the Northern Territory, big undersea cable to Singapore. And then, yeah, in WA, they're trying to build a massive uh, Asian renewable energy hub as well. Like there's a lot of... There's a lot of activity going on here. Yeah. yeah. So, look, that that's a bit of a, a rundown on what's going on, but given that this is uh, an equities podcast, we have got to chat about the investment opportunities because there are plenty of opportunities uh, through direct investments in companies and then later on we'll touch on some of the ETFs and managed funds that you can get into should you be interested in taking advantage of the large transition in renewables and and solar that's going on. So let's start with direct companies. Yeah. And I think the caveat here is that this change is happening, but that in terms of like investment opportunities, that remains to be seen. Like, you know, there will be winners and losers just like with the internet, just like with everything else. Um, And so the due diligence, the investment research can't start and stop with there will be more solar in the yeah, future. Yeah, Therefore, course. all these companies are going to win. Going all in on solar. But we're going to step through some of the players so you can sort of get an idea of who's in the industry and, and do some research. But just like Pets.com and Amazon.com had very different fates, some <laughs> of these guys might have very different fates as well. Uh, so the way I conceptualise the industry is, uh, I guess, picks and shovels and then the generators themselves. Yes. There's also like other players. There's like solar installers and stuff like that. None of the that's pretty small potatoes. None of them are really listed. So the picks and shovels are, you know, the companies that create things for the industry, the solar panels, the different, you know, micro inverter systems and, you know, optimizing systems and all that stuff, monitoring systems like that service the industry with products and services. And then the generators themselves, those that are building sort of large scale electricity generation Plants. So let's start, Ren, with the uh, picks and shovels companies, uh, the manufacturing components and panels. Mind you, the companies that, and funds that we go through here, we only have had a look at the USA and Australia. So uh, I'm sure there are plenty of other options over in Europe and, and uh, Asian countries as well. First Solar listed on the NASDAQ, the ticker is FSLR. They're manufacturers in the thin film that goes across those solar panels. To go through a few more, Enphase Energy, ENPH, they're a developer and manufacturer of micro-inverter systems for the solar photovoltaic industry. Solar Edge Technologies, listed on the NASDAQ, SEDG, they're an Israel-based provider of solar power optimization and PV monitoring solutions. Uh, And then a couple more, Empower Group, uh, MPR, listed on the ASX here in Australia, They build and distribute power solutions, including solar panels and battery storage systems, but also moving into the generation, aiming for 20 solar farm sites in the coming years with 100 megawatt capacity. That's interesting. And uh, another one here in Australia is IGO Limited. They're a nickel, copper, cobalt, and lithium miner. We know that uh, a number of those components are very critical for batteries. So Mm. a couple of direct plays there for the picks and shovels. The key thing there is that the technology is changing rapidly. So, you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these companies create solar panels. First Solar have found a new way to create solar panels, but there will be more that come down the pike. Um, And so 
if you're going to invest in the picks and shovels play, you, you just need to be aware that the technology is constantly changing and the companies that are selling a lot of panels to solar generators around the world, they need to stay ahead of the technology curve to keep their edge because otherwise if their technology becomes less effective, mm. um, then, you know, there will be others that usurp them. Yes. <laughs> uh, so then if we turn to the uh, large-scale solar generators, so mm. those that are actually building massive solar farms and feeding electricity into the grid and that we're buying and using mm. to power things. In Australia, New Energy Solar is probably the biggest name. ASX ticker is new, NEU, NEW even. Um, and they they only started a few years ago, like 2015, I think, and they have basically rolled up a bunch of solar farms and then they're building a whole bunch of their own and they operate them. So that's a, that's a big name in Australia. Over in the US, Brookfield Renewables, uh, BEP is the ticker. Uh, they operate a number of solar generating facilities, but also wind farms, hydroelectric plants, what you'll see in the US and Europe is that uh, a lot of these renewable generators play across um, solar, wind, hydro. In Australia, Infingen Energy, IFN, a uh, handful of solar projects, three in Queensland, one in New South Wales. Gen X Power, uh, another generator that's building a solar plant up in Queensland. Tilt Renewables, a big operator of wind, and it also has some solar generation. One European company that we've included is uh, Ibridola, which is a big Spanish energy generator. I think it's one of the biggest in the world, um, and it's made massive investments in solar and wind generation. And I think it's important here to note that a lot of the traditional power generators, the AGLs and the Origins in Australia are making investments in renewable renewables. So most of the companies here we've touched on are like pure play solar or wind or renewable generators, but then there are also the legacy electricity generators that are moving into the space as well. So one thing to watch in terms of the industry. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then a final one, you'll see a number of infrastructure companies that own a whole array of infrastructure that includes some renewable energy generation. One company that I've included here is Infratil. Infratil. Yeah. Infratil. ASX ticker is IFT, but it's a New Zealand-based company. It owns airports, electricity generation, retail, telecom services. Um, so it's a big infrastructure player, but it includes some solar operations. Key caveat when you're looking at a company like this that owns things across a whole array of industries is that even if their solar operations do really well, is that really going to drive overall earnings and overall share price growth compared to some of the other sectors that they play in? Mm. And you've got another one here that is unlisted but cool. Yeah, this is just one in I a hot to industry. Include. Yeah. So SunDrive is a company, an Australian startup, that recently received a $3 million grant from the Australian Renewable Energy Agency uh, they create rooftop solar panels that use copper instead of silver. Now, why is that important, you might ask? Cost. Close. Well, yes, cost. Cost is the outcome. But did you know that globally solar power units currently account for 20% of overall silver consumption? Wow. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So in the spirit of what we were talking about early when we were talking about the picks and shovels of the technology is changing. You've got to be aware of where it's going. 
if SunDrive are able to take the silver out of solar panels but keep them as effective in terms of converting sunlight into electricity, that should bring costs down and then they'll be able to take market share from other picks and shovels mm, players. Mm. So they're the kind of developments you need to watch. Fascinating. Uh, speaking of unlisted, we should also give a shout to the supporter and sponsor of this episode, which is InStyle Solar, and we'll give a bit more info on what they do at the end of this episode if you would like to take advantage of a solar system. But, Ren, let's have a chat and uh, about ETFs and some of the managed funds uh, to close out the investment opportunities. So if we look at some of the ETFs available here in Australia, all your big providers do have an option. So Vanek, Global Clean Energy ETF, the ASX ticker is CLNE. It tracks the S&P Global Clean Energy Index. BetaShares Climate Change Innovation ETF, Earth, E-R-T-H is the ticker. They have 100 leading companies that derive at least 50% of their revenue from products and services aimed at addressing climate change and other environmental problems. Then there is the ETFS Battery Tech and Lithium ETF. The ASX ticker is ACDC, a very popular one here in the Equigrants community. Invests in companies in the Solactive Battery Value Chain Index, which is 30 companies, so a bit more concentrated, uh, involved in the supply chain and production of energy storage batteries, mining companies that produce minerals that are crucial to the manufacturing process, for example. One fund here, and you'll hear from uh, the PM of this expert uh, later this week, is Mary Manning. She runs the Alfinity Fund, uh, which looks at renewables as well. I don't want to be a handbrake, but I do just want to go back to those ATS because I think there's a point that's worth making there. Sure. You mentioned three there that all sound similar vibes, climate change, clean energy, but it's important to note their scope. So like the beta shares mm. climate change innovation is quite broad. Mm-hmm. It's companies that are working on products and services aimed at addressing climate change and other environmental problems. Vanet gets a little bit narrower, which is clean energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, And then ETF Securities is even more narrow in scope. It's batteries. Mm. So I think it's just when you're making that investment decision, it's really important to be aware of exactly what the companies are because they all are playing in a similar space. But in terms of what they're actually investing in, there are nuances there. Yeah, so as I said, Ren, join us on Thursday as we hear from Mary Manning. Uh, She is PM over at Alfinity and we'll do a bit of a deep dive on on her thoughts in the renewable space. But let's turn to some of the ETFs globally. So when we look globally and and when we've looked globally here, we've just looked at America, but you know, you can look at Europe as well. But I think as far as I could see in the States, there's one pure play solar ETF and that's Invesco's solar ETF. Ticket is TAN, T-A-N. This ETF is comprised of companies focused solely on the solar energy industry, as opposed to a lot of these ETFs in Australia, the US, around the world, which are clean energy more generally. So again, important to know the scope. But when you're talking the US, the amount of options is just so much yeah, bigger. First Trust have a clean energy ETF listed on the NASDAQ. ALPS, which is an ETF provider I haven't heard of before, also do 26% of that ETF is in solar stocks, uh, big focus on the US and Canada. But iShares have a clean energy ETF. Invesco have a clean energy ETF. Uh, SBDR, which is State Street, have a clean energy or clean power ETF. So the choices when you're looking in the States are so big. So then it's really what fees am I paying, look under the hood, see what the biggest holdings are and understand what the methodology is to decide what the biggest holdings are. 
But yeah, I think there's so much choice out there and most of us can invest in the States just as easily as we can invest in mm. um, Australia. But it is good to see that the Australian ETF providers are also coming to the party. Around it. Because for years we've had sustainable funds. Yeah. But sustainable funds aren't focused on this transition as much. So full credit to the VanEck beta shares and ETF securities of the world for giving us an option to go hard on this energy transition. Mm. Yeah. And then in terms of managed funds uh, over in the US, there's two key ones. There's the Fidelity Select Environment and Alternative Energy Portfolio and then BlackRock have a Sustainable Energy Fund, both very similar to the approach that these ETFs take in terms of uh, not sustainable, as Ren just mentioned, but more of a focus on uh, the clean energy side of things. Mm. The options, that's the industry. Any final thoughts here? No, I think for me, um, I'm not in any of those ETFs, but the more that we talk about this, we've done a deep dive on hydrogen. We've got Mary Manning coming up later this week, which I'm sure is going to convince me even more. It's a space that I certainly want to start getting more active in, in terms of investments and, and starting to understand the companies more and the dynamics of the industry. And as you said, right at the top, Ren, it's, it's big changes like this, uh, societal changes that produce a lot of opportunity. It doesn't mean that you go all in and it's just going to be a winning opportunity from, from right now, but it's one where we have the opportunity, I guess the advantage of being at the very start of this mm. as, as this transition takes place. So yeah, it's an exciting time. From doing, doing the research for this episode, thinking about it, I, I'm the same as you. I haven't really invested in the uh, solar industry in particular. My four key takeaways are, first of all, this energy transition is just getting started and it's going to continue and accelerate. So like that's that's undeniable. The second thing is that the cost of solar makes it the best option both at a policy level, also at an individual level. Like people are saving money from solar and so like that's indisputable. But the third thing is that electricity generators are price takers. So they're a commodity product, electricity is electricity is electricity, regardless of how it's generated. It all powers lights the same. And so you're you're really subject to market forces there. If you're an electricity generator, that's not a great position to be in, in terms of having, you, you'd rather have pricing power as a company than be a price taker. And then the fourth thing is that the technology is just changing so quickly in terms of the picks and shovels space and Who's going to win that? It's not particularly within my area of competence, but it's understandable, but just that the technology is changing really fast, new ways of manufacturing cells, new ways of of what goes into cells and and the effectiveness of the cells themselves is constantly changing. So for me, it's a fascinating industry. It's an industry that is only going to grow, but in terms of who wins market share in that industry – for me, that's the uncertainty when when it comes to actually investing in it. Yeah. yeah. So look, we hope by the end of this episode, we've been able to help you understand the solar industry a little more. As we discussed, there are plenty of benefits. And this episode was proudly sponsored by InStyle Solar, a clean energy council approved retailer with over 20,000 installations to date. Not only is solar a clean energy solution, but you can consider it an investment opportunity. On average, InStyle Solar customers get a 20% return every year over 25 years for their solar system. So own 
Don't rent your power. With $0 deposit and zero interest finance options, you can now pay for your system instead of paying a power bill. InStyle Solar are offering the Equitymates community 10% off a new solar system so you can book a personalized solar consultation with InStyle Solar's experts to start today. Head to instylesolar.com slash mates. That's instylesolar.com slash mates. We will have that in the show notes. I can attest my parents love their solar system if I was owning a house, I'd certainly get one on my roof as well. But unfortunately, Ren, we don't own any property. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's a maybe there's a business in getting uh, solar panels for, for renters. renters. Yeah. yeah, big business, I reckon. Yeah. We'll take that up with the portable solar. solar panels. Yeah, love that. Not a fixture; it's chattel. You take it with you. Yeah, take yeah. it with you wherever you go. But anyway, Ren, always good to chat. Um, we'll be back next week with uh, an AM chat on Monday. Uh, but stick around with us on Thursdays. We have Mary Manning. Um, who we had on earlier this year. It's a fantastic conversation, so I'm really excited for that one. But mm. otherwise, we'll chat next week. Sounds good. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Equity Mates. We love hearing from you, so drop us a line at contact at equitymates.com or even better, go to your podcast player and leave a five-star review. Also, a reminder that the Equity Mates content train doesn't stop when you've run out of episodes to binge. We've got a brand new website, a Facebook discussion group. We're on Instagram, YouTube, and slowly making our way as an influencer on TikTok. Well, that's Ren. So uh, come and say hello and join the community. We'd love to welcome you. Until next time. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equitymates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Meets Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast or video. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.